0: So Luke 19 tonight, we, are on a, we started it last week, a, a new sermon series called Journey, and the gist of it is this, if you, if you missed it you weren't here, um, or you're here, this is the first week you've been a part of the series, we, we believe that God's got everybody on a journey. Everybody's got a different journey with Him. Some people have been on this journey for a long time, some people are, have just started their journey, or some people have yet to start their journey with Him, but they're beginning to like to discover uh, what it could be like to have a journey with Jesus But we're going to talk about it because here's what I'm watching. I I watch this happen in my life and I watch it happen in this generation that people judge other people's journeys. And then people compare other people's journeys to their journey. And then it either like helps them feel better about themselves and their journey or it discourages them and makes them feel depressed about them and their journey because of comparing to somebody else's journey. Everybody's got a journey that they're on with Jesus, and your journey is valuable, and your journey is unique, and it's special, and and God has got something for you on your journey, and we got to stop comparing journeys with other people's journeys. We've got to stop allowing somebody else's journey to dictate our journey, because there's there's a lot of bondage that's happening, and I want to speak to it, and I want to encourage some of us, and what we've been doing, we started last week, is taking a look at a, a few different points in the Gospels, where we see Jesus and interact with somebody on their journey, and he treats. I love. If you want to get to know Jesus more, I mean, read through the Gospels. Read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or just pick one of them. Luke, John, any any of them are good. I love Luke. I love John. Uh, I mean, Matthew and Mark are cool too. But just Luke and John. Those those are my those are my those are my two those are my two Gospels. I just I just love. They're just they're different. They're different like no other. But if you really want to get to know Jesus more, man, you get to know him through the Gospels because you see this guy how he interacts with people. And we're gonna take a look tonight. At a, at, a, at a man's journey named Zacchaeus now a lot of us if we've been in church if you're a church person you've been raised in church some of you uh this this story is really just connected to a song for the most part like you just you think of like little Zacchaeus as a wee little man and like there's like crafts that went involved with this you like you know glued some things together and then you got like you know goldfish snacks and then you were out and on your way and you knew Zacchaeus in its fullest extent that's pretty much all you need to know a Wee little man um but man I have been so uh, I I don't know another word except we're just like excited about what God is is showing me and teaching me through this story of his encounter Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus so what we're gonna do I'm gonna set some context I'm gonna read the story to you and then we're gonna take some observations out pull some things out that I want to challenge you with but I believe God is wanting to do more than challenge you with because it's not Just an inspirational talk. It's something that I really believe God wants to transform your heart and your thinking on and how you see him and how you see others. So let me set some context for for Luke chapter 19. Uh, before we read it, what's gone on here? Jesus just had his moment where he, he encountered the rich young ruler. If you don't know what that is, it's basically this guy that was super rich. that came up to him. He was young. He had a power and influence. Comes up to Jesus, and he's like, Jesus, you're amazing. What do I need to do in, to inherit the kingdom of God, to, to, to inherit eternity? And Jesus says, well, follow the Ten Commandments. Like, you know, are you, are you, are you following the things, the ways of God? He's like, yeah, I've already done that. And, you know, he goes through this list. Finally, Jesus gets to the point where he's like, sell all of your stuff, everything you've got, and then give it to the poor. And then follow me. And the rich young ruler was like, Nope, can't do that. Uh, it's not going to happen. And he walked away discouraged and depressed. Jesus just has this moment. That's in the chapter before. And then he comes up to the moment where he is telling about his future death. He's about to walk to Calvary, he's about to walk through that journey of walking all the way to the cross. And and then he encounters this moment with Zacchaeus. This is, and this is where we start. He literally, this is his last stop. This is Jesus' last ministry moment, if you will, before he is on his journey towards the cross. And I think that's really important because I I don't, I just, why does God make this his last stop? Of all the things that Jesus could like do in regards to like the miracles, in regards to the people that he encounters, Jesus chooses this moment with this guy as his last stop before he goes to the cross, before he goes on that journey towards towards his sacrifice on the cross for, for our sins. That's important to know because there's something to this I think God wants us to see. So let's read this together and let's unpack it. If you uh, have the Bible, 825, follow along with me. Here we go. Verse 1, he entered Jericho, and he was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. Yeah. Shout out all my small peeps, okay? Come on, hey yo, uh, huh, man. I thought being a youth pastor, I thought I would be able to feel taller than I feel on a consistent basis. Gideon, yeah, I appreciate you. Um, but even in junior high, we, we were part of junior high ministry too. I say this frequently, but I'm like not kidding. It's not like a joke. I, most of our seventh and eighth graders are taller than me. I'm like, what you guys are eating in Olympia? Nowadays, next generation, like, I don't know what's going on, but every, it's just not okay, okay? So, moving on. Because he was small in stature. Verse 4, follow along with me. So he ran on ahead, and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up, and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and he came down and he received him joyfully, and when they saw it, they all grumbled. This is the crowd of people, the religious people that are around. When he saw it, when they saw it, they all grumbled. And he has, and this is what they they were paraphrasing what they said. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord. Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold, four times the amount of whatever I defrauded. And Jesus said to him, verse 9, Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus, open our eyes tonight. Help us see you more clearly. Help us Hear the truths that you want to deposit into our hearts. God, help us grow in our relationships with you. Whatever part of the journey we are on, we want to grow. We want to know you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A couple observations. Let's let's make sure we got the framework of our characters here. We got Jesus. We got Zacchaeus. And we got a crowd. We We got they, which is the crowd of people that... Are watching and observing all this stuff happening. Uh, they're they're an important factor in just a little bit. But Zacchaeus, we, we read right there from scripture. Chief tax collector, A.K.A. He's pretty much the guy that everybody else hates. He's rich. He's rich off of other people's money that nobody really thinks that they should be giving anyway. He's he's not only like doing his job and doing it well in order to make the money, but he's also like doing some stuff on the side with it, and he's being a little bit. Uh, you know, he, he's, be, he's defrauding people to get a little bit more. So he's made his lucrative income by taking advantage of people. And so he's become one of the most hated kind of people in his, in his context, in the Jewish context. And, and, and so this is really important because when we see the way Jesus interacts with him, it's important that we remember that. Like the guy's not likable. He's not the guy everybody's like wanting to be best friends with. In fact, he's the guy that most of the people like forget to include on the text thread. He's the guy that most people like don't tag in the picture. He's like the guy that most people are like make sure they don't hear we're doing this thing because we don't want them to accidentally feel like they're invited to come. That's this guy. And then we see this, trend, this, this progression of how, of how the, the, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings re- engages with him. I just think it's beautiful, and I think it's something to wake us up a little bit tonight. But that's Zacchaeus. He's a chief tax collector. Nobody really likes him. And then on top of all that, he's super small. Like, small enough to make a big deal about it, which is probably pretty small. Like, the Bible, like, is kind of unique. It does a lot of things and makes emphasis on some things. But, like, they, literally, like, this, come on. I mean, you just you're calling this guy out for for his height and stature. Like there's so many other things. Like he's already hated by everybody. You gotta you gotta make sure that people understand like it's cause he was he was small. I just what a what a dilemma for this guy who now probably experiences and some of it justified because he's done some things incorrectly. But he's but he feels pretty unwanted by people because of his job and how he's twisted it. And then he knows he's really small and he probably feels inadequate and insufficient and not enough and and this guy's probably just got a lot of walls up but it's important that we see that because of the way that he responds in this moment so he's super small and he's a chief tax collector and i i want us to take a take a look at a couple of things that i think are really important for us to see i i want us first to see how jesus um I want his first, well, no, let's take this. Let's do this first. Let's this first see Zacchaeus' response. So obviously Zacchaeus has heard about Jesus. He's heard about what's been going on. He's heard Jesus has been changing some things up, and he hears the crowd of people coming down the street, and he has, uh, he has a good gut feeling this is Jesus. And so in that moment, what's happened is he's realized, like, he's, he's still missing something. Homeboy's got a lot of money. He's got pretty much whatever he wants in regards to what, what, what money can buy because he's so rich. And the Bible is clear by emphasizing that he's a rich guy. He's rich. And yet he finds himself still longing for something that he's missing. That's important because there's so many people in life right now that, that when it comes to the things that they think that they need to be fulfilled, they actually aren't when they get them. The, the, whether it's it's affection from somebody, whether it's a relationship status, whether it's the physical point in a relationship that they want to be, whether it's the 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 answer about the future, and then they get it and they actually aren't as fulfilled. We see this point where Zacchaeus obviously isn't fulfilled as fulfilled as he thought he would be, and so he's missing something, even though the world would say he's got all the finances and stuff, but he knows he misses he's missing something. And so what does he do? He hears somebody, he hears about Jesus. And he instantly is trying to figure out a way to see this guy and have a moment. And I want us to to hone in on something here because this is something that the Lord has been helping me see in my own life over and over and over in this last season. And I think it's super powerful. So Zacchaeus was small, short in stature. And let's just take that as an as as a metaphor for weakness. He had a weakness. And now in that specific situation there's nothing he can do about that, right? Like you can't just oh, yeah, you can't you just can't you just nothing you can do. There's other weaknesses that we have that we can do something about. You really can't do something about that. That's what this what you got. Let's just talk about his shortness as a weakness for a second. Um, it was a deficiency. It was an inadequacy. It was something that was was missing, was lacking. And I love this point That we can see, and this is the application point I want you to see for your life, that the very thing that was a weakness in his life ended up becoming the very thing that propelled him into the position to see Jesus more clearly and experience his presence more deeply. If homeboy wasn't small and was able to see Jesus that same way as all the crowd. He probably would have been hanging back in the crowd and just had a baby little glimpse through the hundreds of people that were walking in that mob. But because he was small and in that moment so motivated, he climbed a tree to have a... I mean, think about this moment. Okay? This, people don't just do this, but he's like, I got, I have to see this. He gets up on a tree to have a better, better vantage point of Jesus because of his lack, because of his weakness, because of his efficiency... And that very thing, his weakness, is the very thing that ended up propelling him to a position to to see Jesus more clearly and then ultimately lead to the moment where he had an encounter, intimately close presence with Jesus in his home. There's so many things in our lives that we look at our lives through the lens of a weakness. In fact, if I were to ask you right now, what is your weakness or what are your weaknesses, you would be able to probably rattle off much more than if I were to say, what are your strengths? Like for whatever reason in life, we we it's so much more clear for us to see our weaknesses and our inadequacies and our and our lackings and our shortcomings than it is for us to be yeah I'm really strong in this like I have this I'm good at this, God's given me this. But man, we we're so harsh on ourselves. We are so we're such harsh critics in in the things that we're lacking. But but the things that you're lacking are actually gifts. If we can have a reframing of our weaknesses tonight, I, I looked at this and I saw this story and I was like if 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 Zacchaeus wasn't short he misses that moment he misses that moment to see Jesus from that vantage point and then ultimately for Jesus to call him down invite him in and go to his house and have a dinner with him and then speak that life over him that he did what are some of the weaknesses that you've been trying to that you've been trying to push aside that you've been trying to you have been saying this is why I can't do what I'm supposed to do that God is wanting to help you reshape and go no that very thing that's lacking is going to be the very thing that shines my strength through the most Paul writes that in in my weakness is God's strength, that God's strength shines through my weakness. And I I want us to to take a moment tonight and have a reframing because I think that there's a lot of us that struggle when we have a weakness or a mistake or we've messed up. And we go, well, that's obviously something that God can't do something with. No, actually, that's exactly what God wants to do something with. Let me take a moment and talk about failures for a second. Because some of you are like, okay, I don't know what my weaknesses are, but I know I've failed a lot. Like I've royally messed up a lot. Like, if I were to tell you all the mess-ups, like, you guys would look at me differently, I think. Or maybe you—but here's a beautiful thing about Jesus. Like, and we're going to see this in the next couple of weeks as well, but that the, the, even the, the failures are things that if we give them over to Jesus, his glory can shine through even brighter than if we were to try to just wall up in all of our strengths. It's the very thing that propelled him to be in a position to see Jesus and then ultimately get saved by Jesus. It was through his weakness. What's one of your weaknesses right now? That you've been ignoring or trying to fight back that God wants to actually use to help you see Jesus more clearly and be used by him and to have an encounter with his presence more deeply. So that's a, that's a big thing we need to see. The next thing we need to see here is I love that Jesus calls his name, calls him by name, which is interesting because at this point, I mean, God, Jesus is, is God, but he's, he's man, but he doesn't know Zacchaeus. He's never had an encounter with Zacchaeus, but he, he calls him by name. And Zacchaeus comes down. I think it's a reminder for us even tonight to remember that, like, where you might be in your relationship with Jesus, you might be feeling forgotten. You might be feeling like, man, it feels like somebody else is getting seen by Jesus more. But I want this to be a reminder for us tonight. Like, Jesus still sees you. And he still calls you. And he still invites you. And Jesus calls Zacchaeus' name and invites him to come down. And it's important, I think, we see the way that Zacchaeus responds. Because I think this is something that I've really struggled with. Two things we need to see. This was Zacchaeus' response after Jesus says, come down, I must stay at your house today. Verse six, Zacchaeus' response. So he hurried and he came down and received him joyfully. Two things happened. He obeyed God's voice, came down, and then he received him. But he doesn't know him yet. Zacchaeus doesn't know Jesus yet. He's not a Christian Christian. And yet he still responded to God's voice and obeyed that moment and then received Jesus. There's a lot of people in our life that I think you and I disqualify from being able to have encounters or be used or have relationship with Jesus because of who they are and what they've done. And, like, it's time for that to stop. Here's what I'm saying. We don't get to have this, like, chosen few, chosen frozen, the the few, the proud, the Christian youth group no like we don't get to sorry for that like, dishonored any military I'm sorry that's not what I'm trying to do okay. or maybe it honored you I don't know anyway we aren't we aren't the marines in regards to like exclusivity in regards to like oh but they're you don't know what they do on the weekends and you don't know what they do in this like no like this was a guy everybody was like this guy's terrible like he's nobody likes him like he's so mean he's ruthless but we don't know what God can do to somebody's heart we don't know how God can transform somebody in, an, in a moment, in a day, in an encounter. But who are we writing off at school? What, what kids at school, your friends at school, you're like, they're never going to come to church. They're never going to know Jesus. Like, I'm not even going to bother. They're so rude. They're so far out there. They're so gone. Like, they're so, and we're just like, I'm not even going to engage because I don't want to risk Whatever. And yet we see this moment where Jesus' last stop before he walks into the progression of walking to Calvary, he makes a point to demonstrate to everybody following him that yeah, all, of the, the, all y'all look at this guy and you don't think anything positive about him, but I'm going to show you how valuable he is to me, how much I have for his life still. And in fact, you see this beautiful picture of, of Zacchaeus just so like, uh, yes. I don't even know you yet i don't even know what it means to follow you yet but if you say come down i'm gonna come down and i'm gonna and he receives jesus joyfully i just think we are missing some some opportunities to believe more for people in our lives who have we disregarded who have we discounted who have we said yeah but like you don't know what they smoke yeah you don't know what they watch yeah you don't know what they do in their relationship yeah you don't know the way that they talk about these people and and it's time for us to stop being those people because That's not the heart I see demonstrated here with the heart of God and how he sees people. He obeys and he receives. And I love that all Zacchaeus had was a spark of intrigue. All he had was a spark. It wasn't like a full bore, like, here's, I know that he's my savior and I know he's going to change my life. He just had a spark. Like, I'm intrigued. I'm going to get up in this tree to see him a little bit better. All it takes is a spark. How many of our friends have sparks? that we need to continue to fan into flame in an invitation to bringing them to Jesus and to showing them who Jesus is. I I just I love that because, man, I've so disregarded people. Jesus calls him by name. Zacchaeus responds. He obeys and he receives Jesus joyfully. And and I love this, this big moment here that's happening too. This is huge. And I'll probably, uh, Jaden, I'll invite you up because I want us to take, this is kind of where we're going to conclude if, if you want to come up, man. Hey, J dog, hundred percent, hundred percent. Don't don't worry about it. Can you? I love this guy. Will you guys give it up for my guy right here? This is my. This is my. I love this moment here. Last week we talked about Peter, Simon Peter, and the fishermen, and how Jesus. You know, they're fishermen, and he, he reassigns them. He has a from a now on moment, and he says, you're not just going to be fishers fishermen anymore. You're going to be fishers of men. Basically, you've been doing your whole life built towards this one thing, but I'm actually going to reassign you to something different. And he gives him a reassignment. And I love this moment here. Like one of the, the first call of the disciples, Jesus is re, reassigning people. And then the last moment with, with a with ministry moment before he goes to Calvary, what is he doing? He's reassigning somebody again. Somebody that everybody else has been like, no way. Jesus is never going to use that guy. That guy's a terrible human being. He reassigns. What does he reassign him to? Well, he's a tax collector, chief tax collector. But then Jesus gives him the reassignment of the role of host of the Son of God. What a contrast. This guy goes from the guy everybody hates, ripping people off, to Jesus seeing him, valuing him enough to say, Not only do I know your name, not only am I going to call your name and I'm going to invite you to come down, but I'm going to give you the opportunity to host me in your house. The most intimate of connections that could possibly be there for those two guys. That's what it was. Hosting. You're going to host the son of God in your home. What a reassignment. What's Jesus doing here? Why is he doing this, this last stop before he walks to Calvary? I think he's making it clear that Zacchaeus and people like him are worthy of his presence. I think he's making it real clear to everybody else watching and everybody else listening. like Zacchaeus, that kind of person, he's actually worthy of my presence still. Zacchaeus, he wasn't, that he wasn't too bad or too inexperienced to host Jesus into his home. Man, that's profound to me I don't know I don't know what it is maybe maybe it is gonna be just me tonight but man there's something about that for me that has just been wrecking me that Jesus looked at Zacchaeus and looked over all the ways that people saw him and all the legitimate things the guy was was a crooked financial guy he, he stole I mean people's justified like dislike it wasn't like people We're disliking him for no reason. There was some reason, and yet Jesus is still saying, he's making a point here that Zacchaeus and people like him are still worthy of me being in their presence, of them being in my presence, that they can host me. Why does this matter to us? Here's two reasons why it matters to you and I. Why does this story matter for you and I today, 2019 Olympia? Here's why. First thing, it matters to us because it gives us an accurate lens to look through at ourselves the way Jesus sees us. Because some of us have inaccurate lenses upon which we are believing that God sees us. The first thing Jesus does here, and this is why it matters to you and I, is because it makes, makes sure you know you are not disqualified from God wanting to be close to you. I don't care how long you've known him. I don't care how many times you've messed up. I don't care how many times you've wasted opportunities or you haven't read your Bible, or you done stuff, said stuff, been somebody behind closed doors that other people don't know about, or maybe some people do and some people don't, nothing disqualifies you from being, having the opportunity to be connected to Jesus. But some of us have disqualified ourselves. And we're only here because we're trying to either, A, maintain an image of being a Christian because we don't want people to think something's wrong, or B, like there's this guilt that's carrying on our shoulders that like if we don't keep coming to something like this, God's going to, you know hate us more or our life is going to be ruined false you cannot be disqualified from god's love you 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 can't like he's why does this matter to us tonight because you need to accurately see yourself the way that jesus actually sees you you aren't too far gone you aren't in too deep of a hole of sin you aren't in too deep of a hole of hypocrisy or lies or duplicitous life like two different people on sunday night and then a monday through saturday you know you're not too far anything because god is demonstrating through the life of Jesus in this man Zacchaeus that you're the exact kind of person he's seeking out. So for us to see, it gives us an accurate lens that no baggage that we've got or inexperience that we bring to the table. Like, I don't know, Jesus. I've been having some conversations with some younger Christians recently, and this is a big deal. Because I hear some things like, I just, I wasn't raised in church, so I feel like I'm behind, I'm behind, I don't know how to catch up. I feel like I'm behind the eight ball here. Like, I don't have any of this Jesus stuff. And I hear you guys talking about this stuff about, yeah, I remember when you were in church as a kid. And I'm like, no, I don't, because I wasn't. And I hear people talk about, and then they're talking through the lens of like disqualifying themselves from being used by God or experiencing him in an intimate, awesome way. And God's wanting to say to you tonight, if that's you, no, no. You don't have to be experienced in this thing with Jesus to be used by him. And to have him see you and invite you into something amazing. I mean, Jesus transformed Zacchaeus' life in one day. The guy went from crooked tax collector to seeing jesus jesus calling him by name inviting him in having him host him his presence in his house to then repenting just like i i realize you're standing in front of me you're who i've been looking for this is what i've needed and i'll give everything away i'll I'll give everything back it it was an act of just repentance it wasn't like a guilt it was just like i don't need it anymore i will pay people back four times the amount that i've taken from them And then Jesus affirms, today salvation has come to this house since he's a son of Abraham. What's he doing? He's reminding him of his identity because Zacchaeus was actually Jewish. He was actually a a descendant of Abraham. He's reminding him that even though in that culture things have gotten a little crazy, you're actually a son of God. You are a part of the family. What lens are you looking through yourself and how Jesus sees you and how are you disqualifying yourself from having a great relationship with Jesus or being used by God. God wants to reframe that lens tonight. That's the first reason why it matters. And the second reason why it should matter to us that Jesus makes this moment with Zacchaeus is that it gives us an accurate lens to look through at others. So the first one is the accurate lens to look through at you. The second one is the accurate lens to look through at others. I mean, how often do we disqualify people from experiencing God, or potentially experiencing God, or being used by God? I do. I've done this so many times, and I'm, I'm God was just convicting me over and over and over this this week of reading and studying. Like, it's time to stop disqualifying people before they even have an opportunity. Who are you not inviting because you've already been like, yeah, no, not them? No, oh, they'll come here and. They won't even listen to anything I want to say about Jesus. Who are we disqualifying? What Jesus does here, he makes a bold moment for everybody else. Because the crowd, that one verse about the crowd in verse 7 is is this grumbling, right? They, they saw it, the crowd saw it, and then they grumbled. And they made this, this comment. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. And there's always going to be people. There's always going to be a crowd. When you make the decision, I'm going to be an agent that can be a, an extension of Jesus' love unconditionally to people that don't deserve his love, which by the way, we're all in that box. You're always going to have a crowd who doesn't understand and says something that they're always going to have hater aid floating around. There's always going to be people that are like, why are they hanging out with them? Why are they talking to them? They don't belong here. I know what we all know what they do and how they talk And their relationship that they're in and the things that they're doing and and you the moment you step out and you engage people that that are that are on the fringe that maybe are been written off by your christian friends and your christian family and and you actually engage them in a way that is jesus to them you're always going to encounter opposition and people that don't get it and misunderstand and misrepresent there's always going to be a crowd that's grumbling about the judgment and I think that's important because some of you guys are going to get there and you're going to hear this and you go, yeah, there's people in my life that I have ignored and I pushed aside. And God actually wants me to pursue and, and, and have relationship with an extended hand of like, I see you and I believe in something bigger than what you're believing in. And the moment you do that, you're going to have friends that are going, why are you hanging out? Why are you talking to them? They don't represent what you represent. And you got to be prepared for that. Jesus took the heat from the crowd over and over and over. Why? Because Zacchaeus was valuable. Because Zacchaeus was more valuable to Jesus than the opinions of everybody else around him. How many moments have been in front of you where you have allowed the opinions of others to be more valuable than the one or the two or the group? That God is saying, I want to use you to bring them to be a connection to me. I just think that God's raising up a next generation to say, like, it ends with this generation. I'm done with church culture that's like, yeah, they don't fit in here because they don't look like us yet. They don't talk like us yet. They don't understand Jesus yet. They cuss. They do these things. They smoke this stuff. They have this relationship, physical whatever, and they, they don't belong here because they're not clean and put together. Garbage. They're exactly who belongs here. Because what am I seeing before my Savior goes to the cross? He he seeks these people out and he says, you know what? You're so valuable to me. I'm going to come into your house and you're going to host me. And then I'm going to save you. And then your life is going to be transformed. And then you're going to be an impact that's beyond you. I refuse to be a person that lets the church culture suck that potential out of what God is wanting to do for his glory and for his kingdom. Nobody is disqualified from Jesus changing their life. So whether tonight it's the accurate lens that you need to see more clearly about how God sees you or maybe it's a reorienting of your heart to see others more clearly the way that Jesus sees them. I know that tonight some of us need to have that moment of just realizing that we haven't been seeing something accurately the way that Jesus wants us to see. So I just wanna pray. very thing that we think holds us back, our past our baggage, our weaknesses our inadequacies may be the very thing that God uses to propel us to see Jesus more clearly and experience his presence more deeply that Jesus values every single person nobody is disqualified from experiencing him and his purpose for their life even you, Christian, has been raised in church your whole life, and you're like, "Yeah, I'm still wrestling this down." It's okay. Can I tell you? Let me look at me for a second. Let me just. Can I? I want everybody to look at me for a second. It's okay to wrestle. It's okay to wrestle with your faith. It's okay to wrestle with God. It's okay to wrestle some of these things down. Wrestling does not equal sin. Like we see biblically that there was wrestling matches that Jesus. Believe Jesus, but an angel had with a man. There's a lot. It's okay, but I think sometimes we shy away from it because, like, if I start to doubt this, or if I start to like, uh, I feel like I might be uh, no. Like, it's okay to wrestle it down a little bit. This is a safe place to wrestle. Because if you don't really wrestle it out, you're never going to really believe it. Unless you wrestle something out, unless you really push through the doubts and you push through the things that you're not ever going to really fully believe it for you. And like I was saying last week, there's a lot of people that know how to do the right things and say the right things, but their heart is lacking that belief that it's actually their heart that's engaged and not just their behavior. So tonight I want to give you an opportunity